There is a white envelope, a big, huge white envelope. The person closest to it, I want you to grab that envelope and I want you to take two cards out of there and then pass them down. The cards are all the same, but I want everybody to have two of them and then go ahead and pass the envelope down. So let me tell you what uh, this card is. Um, the card is for the month of November. Um, I want to challenge you to invite someone to church. Now, I've prayed about this, and so I, I, I really know in my heart that at some point during this service, while I'm speaking, somebody's face or name is going to come to your mind. May not come to your mind right this second. May come to your mind in five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. At some point during my talk this morning, over the next two or three hours, a name or a face is going to come to your mind. And uh, I've prayed about this, and I, I believe that the Lord is going to do that. And, and when he does that, I just want you to write their name down. And um, I want you to write their name on both cards. And on the way out the door today, uh, there's going to be some ushers with some baskets. I want you to take one of those cards and put it in the basket. Don't write your name on it. Just write their name on it. Just write their name on it. And um, the ushers are going to take those cards. They're going to put them in a rubber band. They're going to give them to me at the end of the service. And I'm going to be praying over those cards all week long. Because when you go to ask that person, their heart will be tender and they will say yes. I want you to take your own card and put it on the dash of your car and, uh, and just be praying over it as, um, as you go to make that invitation. Um, but just go ahead and hold it. And, uh, and before the service is over, I really believe that name or that face is going to come to mind. And uh, if a few names or faces come to mind, then just squeeze them into that line, all right? Um, and I'm going to read their names out loud while I'm praying this week. All right, so I, I've got a, uh, a talk that I want to kind of dive into. It's called uh, Satan's Secret Agents. See, Satan has people um, that... Do not have your best interest in mind. Um, and he kind of places them in our life uh, to distract us and to lead us in a direction uh, that is not best for us. Uh, they're secret agents, if you will. And, and Jesus, while he was on this earth, was very concerned about these people because these people sound and look like our friends. They sound and look like them. But if we uh, could see in the spirit, so to speak, we would see that these people are really agents that Satan is sending into our life to distract us, to derail us. And a lot of times they come to church with us. They sit in the same, don't point, that would be rude. Uh, but they, they sit in the same row as us. And a lot of times we don't know who they are. Uh, but Jesus was very concerned about these friends of ours. 
In fact, he taught about it three times. In Matthew chapter 13, he calls them uh, tares. Some, uh, his children are a type and shadow of wheat out in a field. And he says, you know, there's going to be tares among you. And, and tares are, um, are, uh, can kill wheat. Um, here's another example that he gave in Matthew chapter 25. He said, uh, my, my children are, are sheep. But among you, around you, there are going to be goats. They're not sheep, they're goats. From a distance, they look the same. If you're in an airplane and you're looking down at that field, a particular field, you probably couldn't tell the difference between a, a sheep or, or, or uh, a goat. But Jesus says, among you, around you, people you live life with, some goats up in here. Um, and and they're, they're around you. I want you to be conscious of that. Here's a third example that he gave. Let me read it to you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. It says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. There, there's people that they look like you. They, they, they dress like you. They act like you, but they're not like you. They're not like you. They're not like you. It's kind of like this. Um, you know the song Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace. I know you want a record to come out. It's not going to happen. But what if, what if, what if uh, I sang it like this? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. You would look at me and say, the words are right, but the tune is off. It's like you, you, it sounds right. There's people that you will look at, you look right, you act right, you go to the same church as me. But, but when we're not in church, there's something that doesn't sound right about you. I can't quite put my finger on it. I'm not going to say it out loud. I don't want to offend you or, 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 or but, but there's something different about you. I don't, I don't think you, you may be a sheep. I think you might be a goat. I don't know if you're wheat. You might be a tear. I, I don't know. And, and the Bible says, you know, don't do anything with these people. I'll deal with it. I'll do the separating. But be aware that there's people around you that are sitting next to you in church, eating burritos with you at lunch, using the same words as you, Christianese type of words, and you assume that they are like you, cut from the same cloth, but something's not right. Have you ever met somebody like that? You're like, something's not right about you. And you're cool and you're fun and you're funny, but you're calling yourself a Christian. And, and if you're a Christian, then, then I don't know if I'm a Christian because you're different. And Jesus is like, I'm, I'm worried about these kind of people because in Frankie's vernacular, these are secret agents, secret agents from Satan to, to lead you astray. I'm going to talk about three types of secret agents this morning. The first one I want to talk about is the divider. This person uses false doctrine to disrupt or destroy the church. Now, the culture is ever-changing. 
Uh, you know, in the 60s, they dressed, you know, I, I saw a video of, um, um, uh, what's that band, Queen. And I was looking at the way they were dressed, and I was like, I know we sing We Are the Champions every time somebody wins the championship, but, you know, we don't dress like that anymore. Uh, you go back in, in, you know, history books, and the way they used to dress in the 1600s. Or in Jesus' day, they just all had sandals. They didn't even know what Nike was. Um, you know, the United States didn't even exist yet. The cultures are ever-changing. What I'm concerned about are these secret agents that come into our life and, and they try to make the gospel, the Bible, change with the culture. Change with the culture. It's, and, and, and if you're taking notes, I'd like for you to write it down like this. The gospel should not adjust to our culture. Our culture should adjust to the gospel. It's, it's like I, a lot of times people try to get the gospel to support their own beliefs instead of forming their own beliefs based on the gospel. Uh, there's things that when I was growing up, everybody knew that the Lord did not smile on those acts. They were sinful. Everybody knew that. Even people that didn't go to church would know, uh, you guys don't believe in that. But now there's certain lifestyles, certain things that even Christians are saying is okay. And, and this is this is a secret agent. These are secret agents that come into our life and, and they begin to, to mold and form the gospel. They cherry pick pitch, uh, scriptures. They cherry pick words and verses and they kind of put them all together and, and they try to build their own belief system to, to say I, how I'm living is okay. It's okay. It's okay for me to, to feel this way. It's okay for me to do this. It's okay for me to act like this. Then when I stand before God, some way, somehow, I'm going to get in because I'm going to be better than the guy behind me. And, and I'm, I'm just telling you that these are secret agents. It, it, the, the Bible says that we cannot add or subtract from the Scriptures. If it is between the two pieces of leather, if it is written between Genesis and Revelations, if it's in the Bible, it's in God's heart. And, and a lot of times we back up and we say, oh, I can live like this and I can live like that and I can live like this and, and, and it's okay. Let me just tell you this. God will never be okay with a sin that he sacrificed his son to overcome. He'll never be okay with it. I'll say it again. God will never be okay with a sin that he sacrificed his son to overcome. You'll never be okay with it. Let me just take a step further. I didn't say this in the first service, but I feel compelled to say it in this service. If there's a part of your lifestyle that you're keeping in secret because other people don't understand, I just want you to know God doesn't understand either. And what gets held in the secret places will be shouted from the rooftops. 
If you think that you have some arrangement, and I feel this presence of God on me right now, if you think you got some personal arrangement with God, some personal arrangement, a private personal arrangement with God that, that causes those scriptures to be moot because of your personal arrangement that other people don't understand because of your personal arrangement that you got going on. I just want you to know, somebody has sold you a bill of goods that's not good. That's why, that's why you can't read certain portions of the Bible because you're reading it like, that doesn't apply to me, that doesn't apply to me, that doesn't apply. Okay, I'm going to read Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to... Uh-uh. The Lord sees how we're trying to skirt certain issues, skirt certain things, skirt it, skirt it, move around it, step aside it, hide it, hide it, hide it, hide it. Look, you can fool us. And that's why the Lord said, don't, don't try to pick wheat from tears. You'll make a mistake. Don't try to separate goat from sheep because you'll grab a sheep by the ear and you think you're pulling a goat out. You, you're just human. You worry about you. I can see past the skin. I can see past the clothes. I can see past the smile. I can see past the church attendance. I'm walking amongst the lampstands. I see exactly what's happening. I'm at their house. I'm in their car. I'm walking around the hallways of their home. I know who's mine. And I just want to tell you, I just want to tell you that the Spirit of the Lord is, is, is speaking this morning in a way that he wasn't in the first service. And, and I'm here to tell you that if you're wondering if the rapture is coming, oh, yes, it is. It is. And, and we have got to stay, stay ready. Stay ready. Put your hands together for that. Then there's the tickler. The tickler. Uh, Paul said it this way in 2 Timothy. Is, this is the teacher who is a man pleaser rather than a God pleaser. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 3. It says this, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Their own desires, their own desires, and turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. This is something Frankie Mazapika has to be prepared for. Um, because I'm trying to make heaven crowded. I'm trying to get as many people to be a part of celebration as possible, and we're all going to go to heaven together. But you stand up here and preach sermons like this one, and it sounds like it's counterproductive. Because I'm trying to get people to come in and stay in, and you come up here and preach stuff like that, and people start going, this is not what I want to hear. I'm getting out of here. And the Bible says that you want your ears to be tickled. Don't read that scripture. Don't read that verse. Don't read that chapter. You don't understand, Frankie. I am going to go find another church. 
I am going to go find another pastor. I am going to go find another community that will tell me what I want to hear. I'm looking for somebody to preach the way I believe. That's trouble. It's an ear tickler. We can't have full sanctuaries and empty gospels. Then there is the sleepwalker, which has a spirit of indifference. These are, um, uh, have you ever seen somebody yawn and then when you, they yawn, you yawn? Raise your hand. I was like, <sighs> the whole room starts yawning. You know what I'm talking about. My brother, my son realized this. He's 10 years old. So he walks up to me and he, he looks me in the eye and he goes, ah. and he tries to get me to yawn. He's like, ah. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh. <laughs> Yawning and, and, and you ever walk up to somebody, you know, the number, I read this uh, statistic that if you walk up to somebody and you say, hey, how are you today? That the number one answer in America is... Look at the person next to you and tell them what you think the answer is. Go ahead. If you say, hey, how are you doing today? Go ahead. And, what do you think the answer is? If you said, I'm tired, you had the right answer. Raise your hand if that's what it was. See, some of you thought it was, I'm fine. So I kind of baited you on that one. But the number one answer is, I'm tired. Americans are tired. We're tired. We're tired. We're always tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. We're always tired. And the trouble is, is that if I tell you I'm tired, it's kind of like you say, oh, me too. I yawn, you yawn. Being tired is contagious. And I want to tell you, um, being uh, indifferent indifferent about the things of God is contagious. Satan will send people into your life that are indifferent. They're not passionate about God, but they're not ignoring God either. They're right in the middle. They're indifferent. You want to go to church? Sure. Is that a sin or not a sin? I, I don't know. I mean, God's a good God. Oh, hold on a minute. Is it a sin or is it not a sin? Ah. You know, people don't want to, people don't want to pick a side of the road anymore, do they? But if you stand in the middle, you're going to get hit by both sides. So you might as well just pick a side. You know, if you're going to talk bad about me, I want you to talk bad about me because of something I really did. Right? Isn't it annoying when somebody talks bad about you and you're like, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. But if you did do it, it's like, I did do it, and what are you going to say about it? Right? Yeah. A sin is a sin. It is what it is. Look, it's not my rules. I'm just reading out loud. But the, the, the reality is, is that when we back up and, and we say, I, it could be a sin, may not be a sin. I'm, I'm not passionate, but I'm not bored with it. Uh, I, I'm just kind of, you're indifferent I'm not on fire, but I'm not cold. It's indifferent. It's, it's, it's lukewarm, just right in the middle. 
There, there is no middle. And, and in full transparency in my life, often I'll tell the Lord, Lord, I feel like I'm, I'm lukewarm right now. I feel like I am. But God, deep down in my heart, I love you with everything that I have. But, but I just feel like I'm just not passionate about anything having to do with you because I'm totally distracted with all these problems in my life. So because of these problems, I'm not thinking about you that much. I'm Luke, uh, uh, help me. And I'll say these words. Lord, there's an ember in my heart. Would you just blow on it? Would you cause it to be a flame? I want to, I want, listen to me. I want to be on fire for you, God. I want to, I, I want I want fire in my bones and lightning in my veins and muscles on my teeth. But right now I just, I feel like I'm sleepwalking. Can you help me, Father? And the Holy Spirit has been sending wind since Acts chapter two. It just, that's a beautiful prayer. It's a prayer of honesty. It's a prayer of hunger. It's a prayer of humility. Lord Jesus, please. It begins to blow on you. It's a beautiful thing. You know, uh, whenever we're beginning to recognize certain, uh, hey, I, you know, I, I think you're an undercover agent. You know, you just don't sound right. You know, I, I want to say this in parallel to being observant towards these undercover people that might be taking us in a different direction. We need to be equally as 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 focused as making contribute contributions to the kingdom. When I was watching the Houston Astros, I was looking at the pitchers in the bullpen and praying for them a lot. I was like, dear Lord, there are no angels in the bullpen. Everything was great, every single game. And then the bullpen would come out and I'm like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Was anyone praying for the bullpen with me? Come on, be honest. When Morrow went out there in that seventh game, we're like, don't take him out. Leave him out there. Leave him out there. We can't trust anybody. Leave him out there. Does anybody yell at the TV like me? <laughs> Absolutely. They hear us. They, they can, it's a spiritual thing, so keep yelling. Keep yelling. I don't know why I brought that up. Oh, yeah. But they, they would put the camera on certain pictures. And, and when they put the camera on certain pictures, you could see in their eyes, they wanted in, especially Keiko. He wanted to go in that game seven so bad because he messed up so bad in game one or two or three or whatever it was. What game was it? He went in. Okay. He messed up so bad. And, and he wanted to get back in there and like do better. In the pictures, they wanted their name to be called. They wanted their name to be called. They didn't want to win the championship, get a ring, and all they did was... I was watching the game with my wife, and, and, and Allie goes, there's a lot of saliva going on around here. 
A lot of saliva, a lot of saliva. I was like, you know, I've never noticed that. And now it's all I could think about for like seven innings. I'm like, everybody on the camera is spitting. And spitting's like yawning. It's like, I feel like spitting. I was like, but, but these pitchers, they wanted to be contributors. They don't want to just ride the train. No pun intended. That was a stupid pun. You know the oranges on the train when someone hits a home run? Don't use that in the third service, right? Okay. They, they want to be contributors. I want to say this, that in parallel, we're paying attention to these secret agents that might be distracting us so that we don't get distracted in being a contributor. And being a contributor for the kingdom of God just re requires small, small actions, not big ones, small ones every single day. Let me see if I can illustrate this point. I have a penny up here. Um, this, I'm not good at handling pennies. Uh, I was born to fold, not... No. <laughs> but... Um, if I were to say, who here wants a million dollars cash or one penny that will double in value every day for 31 days? Which one would you pick? Raise your hand real quick. Don't think about it. You want the million dollars cash. Go ahead. Put your hand up. Don't lie. Put your hand up. Wave at me. Yeah, I know. Tell the truth. You would be making the wrong decision. Let me illustrate this for you. If I give you a penny today, and it's going to double in value every day for 31 days, Tomorrow it's going to be two. The next day it's going to be four. The next day it's going to be eight cents. You get the point. A week later, a penny is only worth 64 cents. Two weeks later, the penny is worth $81.92. If your friend picked the million and you picked the penny, you're bitter about right now. Three weeks later, the penny is only worth about $10,000, but that was a pretty quick jump, you have to admit. Four weeks later, something interesting happens. It is now equal. Four weeks later, it's worth $1 million. But it's still not 31 days yet. It's not over. You're just getting started. On day 30. One, it is worth $10,737,418.24 to boot. Compound interest is a powerful thing. It's little, little investments, but you have to be willing to endure the flat times. Let me show you on a graph. On day one, that one penny is worth one cent. On day 14, it's worth $81. Look at those 14 days. For that matter, look at the first three weeks. You're flat. This is why small actions are so 
demotivating for so many of us because three weeks will go by with no movement. All of a sudden on day 28, What if it wasn't a penny we were talking about? What if it was learning a second language? Who here is bilingual? I am so jealous of you. I try to say, I have in my cell phone, I have on speed dial a taco truck that is by my house. Her name is Nelda. I call Nelda about once a week to have my tacos ready by the time I get there. But when she answers the phone, I am bent on speaking Spanish. She says, hello, in perfect English. I reply, hola. Dos nueve tacos, poquito queso, maíz. She starts laughing right away because at the end I'm like, please. Last week I got opened it up and it was some beautiful beef tacos but I thought I was ordering egg tacos. So I don't always know what I'm gonna get back when I make my order. But I'm bent on speaking Spanish. If I could, could you put that graph back up please? If I could stick with it and endure that flat plane where nothing is happening, And if I were to only do 10 minutes a day of Spanish, Espanol, just 10 minutes. By the end of this month, I'd be getting a breakfast taco every time I asked for a breakfast taco. (laughs) Leave that graph up. What if I just put 15 minutes on a piano a day. I'd be playing the chopsticks according to that graph for a long time. But if you pop up on me towards the end of the month, I could actually have a few songs under my belt. We underestimate, listen to me, we underestimate what God is going to do in the short term. No, we overestimate what God does in the short term and we underestimate what he's going to do in the long term because it is hinged to our small decisions every single day. Let me see if I can illustrate this from a different perspective. Let's just say hypothetically, You brought somebody to church, somebody new to church, once every six weeks. Six weeks. At the end of the year, 
you will have brought 8.6 people. I know the 0.6 sounds kind of weird, like it's eight people on a leg, but just work with me. <laughs> Over, if you do that every year, one person every six weeks. In 10 years, you will have brought 86 people to church, which is very impressive. But if those 86 people, if half of them were married, you will have brought 129 people to church. If half of those 129 had a kid or end up having a kid, you will have brought 193.5 and a leg and 193 people to church. Now watch this. This is where it's very fascinating because when Jesus left the earth, he says, I'm going to give you a commission. I'm going to give you an assignment. I want you to, to live your life and I want you to make disciples. I want you to bring people to me. If in Celebration Church, only one out of four, one out of four, not even everybody, three out of four, 75% of the people say, no, I'm here to hear the music. But one out of four says, huh, you know, I'm in. If that's what you want, I'm going to do it. The Great Commission is now something that I take incredibly serious. If 200 people in our church did that, along with you, bringing one person to church every six weeks, in 10 years, 38,700 people will be going to heaven just because of us. 38,700 people. See, this is God's plan. Now, here's the thing. I study church growth like crazy. There's no church out there that has grown up to 38,700 people in 10 years. That would be considered a revival if we want to use Christianese terms. And so... Church people say, I want to be a part of a revival. Do you? Because a revival is nothing but taking hard hearts and reviving them to passionate hearts. And so that's why at the beginning of this message, I said, look, I'm going to pray for that one name on that card. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray because here's the thing. There's secret agents all around us that are trying to distract us, but you know who else has secret agents? God does. And you're that person. We go walking into our place of business. We go walking in the mall. We come walking into our classrooms. And when we come walking in, there's demons all in those rooms. And I go, oh no, because you're there. Would you stand to your feet for me, please? Bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody looking around, please. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, 
Are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? I don't want anyone looking around. If the answer is no, but today you want your relationship with the Lord to get back on the right track, would you just raise your hand right where you are? Your hands are going up all over the room. As a sign of surrender, can we all just raise both hands? Let's repeat this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you please forgive me? I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Would you leave your hands up and your eyes closed? Let me pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for an anointing on every single head in this room. Lord, they love you more than anything this world has to offer. They love you more. They love you more. And they love your mercy. They are grateful for your mercy. And Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't understand your mercy, Lord, begin to reveal that to them right now. Let them know that you're not angry with them, that you love them. Regardless of what mistake they've done or how many times they've done it, or how embarrassing or humiliating it is, God. You don't even think about it anymore. You don't even think about it. The only thing you see is your son. The only thing that you see is your daughter. I want you to know, church, the Lord loves you so much that before he ever formed the world, he saw your face in his imagination. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do that could cause him to love you any less than the first day that you were born. There's nothing that you can do. He's with you. And I pray that for the remainder of your life, that you would be like a tool, a vessel, an instrument in his hands that he uses every single day. Every single day, he uses you like a tool. Like a tool in a toolbox, he uses you every single day. And that for the rest of your life, there's nothing that eclipses that importance than to be used by your Father. In Jesus' name, be blessed in the name of the Lord. There's no official dismissal. You can leave whatever you want. Be blessed in the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name.